What have we been talking about the last number of months, the last number of weeks? Heaven on earth, or why? This morning I want to continue with that. And I want to, I want to take some time this morning and I want to share some, some thoughts on, on taking God as His Word. A number of years ago, when I worked in, in construction, I had graduated from BCIT and I went to work in the office and I worked underneath an engineer. And the engineer was my mentor, a great, tremendous man. But what would happen was he would send me from the office to do a job site visit. He would tell me how to run a project. He would tell me what to, how to um, converse with the general contractor. And I, I would have all these different aspects of my job. And sometimes he would give me very specific instructions. And there was more than one occasion where he'd look at me and he'd say, David, I want you to go to the site and I want you to talk to these guys and I want you to do it in this way. And he was saying, I want you, David, to represent me the engineer and the, the company I worked for, to these people, and this is what you're to say. And then he'd even say, and don't say this, don't say that, don't do there, and don't go there. This is what you're doing, and this is how you're representing and handling this matter. And he would actually give me extremely specific instructions on occasions. I don't know why sometimes, but maybe... I lent him to think that I needed very specific instructions. <laughs> but he would say, I don't want you to talk about schedule. That's not what's talking about today. What you need to do today is you need to rate, uh, evaluate the situation with the anchor bolts and why they're wrong. And you need to figure out why they're wrong, and then you need to tell the contractor there's going to be costs. And so I'd go do that, and then I'd come back and report to him. I had that on many occasions. I apprenticed under a plumber, Pastor Nelson. He taught me three things about plumbing. Water always runs downhill. Payday is every other Friday. And never stick your fingers in your mouth. Some of you got that. But I've learned how to do some plumbing from Pastor Nelson. And there's times I would call him and I'd say, what do I do? And he'd say, and he'd give me specific instructions. Turn this off, then cut this, then prepare that, then do this, then turn on the water again. And if I didn't do it in that order, I'd be calling him again. And there were times when he'd be very firm with me. Did you do it this way? I think sometimes we miss the importance of instructions. I think sometimes we miss the importance of just instructions. I value instructions. And every time Pastor Nelson would share with me, every time the engineer that I worked underneath would talk to me, they never did it to hurt me. They never did it to lead me astray, unless Pastor Nelson wanted me to get water sprayed in my face. But they never did it for my harm, they always did it for my good. Do you know Jesus gave us instructions? 
And the disciples came to him, and we've been looking at this passage in Matthew chapter 6. The disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray. Have you ever asked somebody, teach me how to do something? And it's almost, I can almost hear it as I've studied this passage and meditated on it. It's almost like Jesus said, okay, if I was you, this is how I would do it. I've had that conversation with my engineer, with Pastor Nelson, with plumbing. If I was you, David, this is how I would handle this. And Jesus was saying to them, listen, guys, I've got some inside knowledge. My name is Emmanuel. He said, I'll be called Emmanuel. I will be called God with us. It says in Philippians, I believe it is, that he is the full deity in bodily form. I don't understand how the infinite can get packed into a finite body, but he was all the Godhead represented bodily. And he had a relationship with the Father. And the disciples come and they say, teach us how to pray. And he'd say, if I was you, this is how I would do it. I've been taught when somebody says, if I was you, or if I was in your shoes, to listen carefully. Because usually, when somebody says that, it's because they've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, got the black eye, and got the paycheck. And Jesus is standing there with his disciples, and he's saying, if I was you, this is how I would do it. And as I've been studying it this week, meditating on it, the thing that kept resounding in my mind was when Jesus spoke words, when God spoke words, and he gave a promise or he gave something out, the aspect of saying that, doing that, and giving that, the work was already done. Our obedience does not catch God off guard. You know, have you ever promised your child something so extravagant because they'll never do their homework? So I'll say, listen, kids, listen to me. After dinner, I want you to spend 45 minutes really hard on your homework, and after that, I'll give you this. And your child comes to you 45 minutes later, and they actually did it? And then you sit there and you go, oh, no, I didn't expect them to do that. I didn't think I would have to take him to Dairy Queen. I didn't think I would. And you never catch God by surprise because when he says, do this, do this, do this, and this will happen, he's already had the provision for this to happen before he's even said it. And his word, when it goes out, has already accomplished. His word is complete, his word is certain. So Jesus, when he's standing there and he's telling the disciples, he says, listen, our Father, this is how you do it. You approach him, our Father, which art in heaven. The first thing you do is you establish the priority in your prayer as to who's the boss. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want us to think about that. If Jesus 
told us to pray like that, do you think it's possible that on earth as it is in heaven can actually happen? We live in a cynical society. (laughs) You want a great example of that? It's election time. Promises made. And what happens is often we equate a promise from God the way we equate promises with each other. And we become, I've, I've had it. Well, that will never happen. Oh, they said that just to get me out of their way. He just said that to get me off the phone and stop nagging them. But it will never happen. And what, what we have to be careful of is that mindset. And, and there's aspects of that that I think are real and true. Character. Integrity of the individual. But we have to be careful because sometimes we take that cynicism and skepticism and we place that in God. I, we're going through a battle of faith right now that's a battle. And I can't tell you how many times when I close my eyes and these thoughts come racing in my mind that I have to stop them and say no. That's not what the Word says. That's not what God says. That's not what He's spoken to me. That's not what He said. That's not what He paid for. That's not what He's done. And it's a battle that we all face in whatever capacity and in whatever manner and whatever relationship we have. There are battles that we face, and quite often the battle is between what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe God's Word, or are you going to believe your thoughts and your ideas that run wild? I've been there. I am there. We are human. This is a battle that we face. And what I want to share with you this morning is when we use the term and say on earth as it in heaven, can we actually believe that? Can we actually take that and say, yes, I believe it. And I want to show you about four or five or six or seven or ten or eleven verses from the Bible that will give you some strength to say, I can believe his word because what he says happens. In Psalm, I better look at it because I might get it wrong. Psalm 119, that whole chapter talks about his word. It uses seven different words to describe God's word. And in verse 89 it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So you've got these in your notes. Forever, O God, your word is settled in heaven. His word is not up to debate. His word, he doesn't send his word and say, hey, David, what do you think about that? He came to Noah and he said, do this. He didn't say to Noah, let's have coffee. I've got this idea. I'd like your feedback. You know, maybe we can tweak a few things. You want two animals. I wanted four. But I can see size is a problem. Let's just do two. He 
He, didn't, he said, this is, and by the way, it wasn't just two of each kind. The, the pure animals, there were seven, just so you're aware. <laughs> just like I don't think Adam and Eve ate an apple, but maybe a Macintosh. But, um, but he spoke the word, and he said, this is how it's going to be. He came to Abraham, and he says, you're going to be a father of many nations. He said that before Abraham was a father. Here's something for you. You have to say it before you see it. You have to say it before you see it. And I can say it because he says it. David didn't go in and say, I'm going to, let's see what happens here, Goliath. He went in there and he said beforehand what he saw God say to do. In fact, I'm not even sure if he saw it or if he was just a cocky teenager who knew how to, like, sometimes we actually say God words and it's like, what did I just say? David said, you come against me and the army of the living God and you say all those things, I'm going to cut you down and give you to the birds. He said that before it happened. It's easy to say it afterwards, but what are you saying ahead of time? So Jesus, when he's telling his disciples, first of all, his word is settled in heaven. So when we say on earth as is it in heaven... His word settled in heaven. So work with me here. Your word is settled in heaven, so what I will do is bring the realities of heaven onto earth, and what you've already said is established in heaven, so I expect and receive and actually require that what you said in heaven and your word is settled in heaven is settled here on earth. I've heard some pastors that, I relate with some that mentor me. We kind of they kind of say we have non-believing believers. And we have believing non-believers. In the Bible there's people that were not believers and yet they believed God was good. Jer- Joshua, he goes around Jericho. What Rahab calls him up the the two spies and says, "Listen, we've been afraid of you guys for years." They believed God was going to do it. The children of Israel for 40 years. Why? Because of their unbelief. Gideon, going to battle. He throws fleece after fleece after, is this right, God? Will this happen? And finally, God gives them all these fleeces and answers them all. And he says, listen, if you're still freaked out, just go spy the camp out. So he takes his right-hand man with him. They spy out a camp, and the other army has, the guy in the other army has a dream about something rolling down and destroying an army. And, they, and his patriot that's sitting there, the two enemies of Gideon, says, oh, you know what that is? That's Gideon, and he's going to kill us. They believed, and Gideon was struggling with it. 
So let me say, sometimes there's things that we struggle with. How do we handle them? The first thing I do is your word is settled in heaven. I will not argue with his word. I will not. And there are times when I look in the mirror and I say, David, his word says this, therefore this is what I believe. On earth as it is in heaven. It says in Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie. When you read that story, that's about Balaam and Balak. And the enemy wants the guy to, to curse Israel. And the guy says, I only can tell you what God tells me. And three times he tells him, God's going to bless him. God's going to bless him. God's going to bless him. And God says, I am not a man that I should lie. In other words, God does not lie. Don't complicate it. Well, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, you know, they didn't have cars like we did. They couldn't move. Information didn't travel like it does now. We're in a globe. No, God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's settled in heaven. What I'm trying to do is I want to build your faith that when you close your eyes and God gives you a dream and speaks to you, that you have the faith to believe that that will happen. And I would dare to push you to the point where you don't say it can happen. I'm here to push you to the point where you'd actually say it will happen. There's a difference. When, when you say, I can, it can happen, you've given yourself a back door. I, sometimes, I think sometimes we got to live without back doors. we got to live without escape strategies. In my faith, I don't have escape strategy. I'm all in. I put all my chips in the middle, and I'm not a poker player. But I put it all in. Because his word is settled in heaven, and he does not lie. If you want to see something produced in your life, start speaking his words. It says in Isaiah 55, he says, just like I send out the water and it does all these things, and this, he said, so my word goes forth and it produces what I said it would do. I'd like to read it to you from the message. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Let's work back. God is not a liar. Therefore, is that true? Let's take another step. His word is settled in heaven. So is this up for debate? Not according to God. 
He doesn't have a revised 2.0 Bible. I mean, he, we have phones that are updated every six months or every two weeks. You get an update thing on the... God didn't update it once. He said, this is the plan, this is what's going to happen, and bang. His word is settled in heaven. It is the same power that it was 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, before the world began. He established his word before all the... It is just as powerful as when it was uttered as it is today. His words will produce it. I wrote down a few things for you there in your notes. His words heal. Psalm 107, verse 20, it says that he sent his word and healed them. If you read that chapter, there's about four or five times where it says they cried out to him, he heard them, and he came to their distress. If you've got your pencils ready, your pen ready, mark some of these things down because some of these verses will blow you away where you see the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, and that is how you build faith. And don't just read them. Say them out loud. Hear yourself say the word of God. Get used to saying it out loud. Because it says faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say faith comes by thinking about it. So Psalm 107, there's four, I think, four times where he gives a description of, and what's amazing is he says, this is what you did and how they treated God. And he says, but let me tell you, you cried to me and I came and I delivered you out of your distress. That's grace. His words carry authority. The centurion in Matthew 8. He looks at Jesus and he says, would you heal my servant? And Jesus says, I'll come to you. And he says, no, just say the word and my servant will be healed. There is an ability in the word that God says to accomplish what God says it will. His word is so powerful that it will accomplish. It has the power within itself. I'm not sure if I'm explaining that. But the word itself, you say, well, it's the person that spoke it. No, his word, yeah, it's him. But his word accomplishes what it was sent out to do. I think his word is just flying around waiting for a place to land. Here I am. We should learn how to do this. Bring it in. Like an airplane. You know, okay. Come here. This is way to keep coming. Great. You've landed. We've got to learn how to take his word, plant it in here, and then be so resolute in what he says that nobody is going to doubt, make me doubt what his word says. His word heals, it produces. It's established. It's sure. His word has authority. You don't have to come. All you have to do is say the word. Think about that. Sometimes we think we always have to be in proximity. We can speak a word and it can go and perform. And they didn't have internet back then. He didn't have Wi-Fi. He had Holy Spirit. 
He had a better connection. It never went, it it didn't have failure. It didn't have power outages. It was solid. It was consistent. It was there. His word went and it healed. In Psalm 107 that we read, it says he sent his word and healed them. I'm, I'm trying to put this in context of believing and living in the reality of heaven on earth is not just some drummed up idea, but Jesus is saying, if I was you, this is how I would do it because I know his word never comes back to him empty. I know if you pray this to happen, it will happen. We got one, two, three, we got seven rows, 21 rows. I'm not going to say how many people can fit in here, but if one person in each row said, God, this week, would heaven come to earth? Would you show me how you want to impact my community? Can you imagine if just one person per row asked for God to change a situation or give them insight, show them in his word how heaven can impact their life? Can you imagine what will happen next Sunday? We're not going to... You're going to go, Pastor David, you don't have time to speak. Actually, it's not me. It's Pastor Daniel next week, so that might be fun. We'll have them (laughs) mess with him. But can you imagine? I asked for God, for heaven on earth, to come and affect my marriage. And by the way, that doesn't mean I ask God to change my wife. That means I ask God to change me and for me to see heaven. What, what does heaven speak? What does he say over my spouse? And so I did that. And you know what? We smiled at each other this week. <laughs> we had coffee and it tasted good. Come on, let's be real. Sometimes we're fighting but by the time we get to the chain link fence. No, no, I'm sorry, not, not, <laughs> I did not mean it like that, honey, no. I mean, generally speaking. What would it look like if we truly believed that heaven wants to come and take place and live and inhabit in earth? What do you think it would look like when you went to work and you had a troubling problem in front of you that you weren't sure you could figure out, but you walked into that room and you said, even in your mind, heaven, God, would you come and show me what I can do here? And all of a sudden, just like that, you get this brilliant idea. That's heaven coming to earth. Because he says, ask for wisdom and I'll give it to you. What if, what if you needed some finances and you said, God, how does this look? And all of a sudden he gives you this thing, he gives you a provision or he shows you what heaven looks like on earth and you change the way you handle it and now you start looking and decreeing his word and all of a sudden those needs start disappearing. You say that can't happen. Yes, it can. What would it look like 
if we struggled with depression and we have no hope because all the things that we've hoped for have been taken away from us. Those things that we expected aren't there. And we get to this point and we say, Lord, what does it look like in heaven? And he says, in heaven, I'm communing directly with you. You say, could you bring that here on earth? And he says, yes. And all of a sudden, you have this rush of warmth that comes through your body that you can't describe and I can't describe, but it changes how you're thinking at that moment. And it changes how you look and how you speak. Because all of a sudden, you know what? I was feeling depressed, but I can't explain it except to say I'm feeling better. I don't feel hopeless. I actually feel like smiling. I actually am enjoying the day. That's heaven coming on earth, and that happens because when he says it, he believes it, he stands behind it, and he does not lie. I'm trying to get inside your minds today. Trying to change that little gerbil to have in my face. So when that little gerbil starts swirling inside there, you see David's face. And it goes, what does God's word say? What does God's word say? What does God's word say? Now maybe you don't have a gerbil, but I've got something that, that just flies in here. Just goes crazy. And I have to change my default. I have to change what I used to think into what his word says. I have to change my default to saying, no, God does not lie. I have to change my default to say, no, his, he came and he healed them. I have to change my default to say, no, he has the authority to say it and it happened. I have to change my default to say, no, that what was dead is alive. I have to change my default. Instead of saying it's worthless and terrible and will never happen, I have to change my default to say, no, he breathed into man. We became a living soul. He is a creative being, and he create, or he is a, we are created beings, and he created me by the words he spoke. He said, let there be. So I speak what his word says. His words bring life. He called Lazarus from the dead four days in the tomb. Nothing's hopeless with God. Nothing's hopeless with God. Nothing's hopeless with God. Look at somebody. Smile at them. Nothing is hopeless with God. Say that to them and keep smiling. Nothing's hopeless with God. His words calm the sea. His words create. I want to read this to you and I'm going to do this in closing. I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. But it's out of Romans 4. This is 
Paul writing. It's about three verses, two verses. He says, we call Abraham father, not because he got, got, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Just close your eyes. It may help you picture and envision this. God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as the father of many peoples. Abraham was not first named father and then became... Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God can do. He dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. With a word, make something out of nothing. If you've got nothing, you're a candidate. With a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyways. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Heaven on earth calls those things that are dead alive. Heaven on earth calls those things that are hopeless as hope-filled. Heaven on earth calls those things that are useless as useful. And heaven on earth calls you that might think you're a nobody a somebody. So I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to close. Maybe you could stand. Let's just change our posture if you're able to stand. Keep your eyes closed. Have your hands, just if you could, put your hands in front of you as if you're receiving a gift. And this is not a secretive thing. This is just a physical act that actually opens us up to receive. And I'd like to, I'd like to, to say something to you, and then you're going to ask Holy Spirit. His word is true. His word is real. His word never fails. He's not a liar. So what has he said to you? What has he spoken over you? So just ask him right now. Just say, Holy Spirit, God, what have you spoken over my life? Now listen to him. He'll tell you. 
Just let him speak. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, what I want you to do is what he showed you. And, and some of you, you might say you never got anything. That's fine. But there are people here that God rem reminded you of words that he spoke. What I want you to do is if you've got a phone, if you've got a pen and paper, write down. Don't, don't just say, I'm going to remember this later. Take a moment right now and record what he said to you. So take, take 10 seconds, 20 seconds, a minute, and just write down what he said. Take, take a moment. Record what he said to you. Because what he's doing is he is showing you his perspective. He's showing you what heaven looks like. And what he wants to do is make that your reality on earth. So I'll give you a few seconds. Father, speak. Hmm. All right. The last thing I'd like to do is ask you one more question. Do you believe he can do that? Can I hear you? Do you believe he can do what he just spoke to you? Amen. Let's pray. Take your hand, put it on your heart. And why don't you repeat after me? Father, thank you that your word is true, that you do not lie, but when you speak, you speak in reality. You speak in possibilities. You speak in what is done already. Help me to see what heaven looks like over my life. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing Thanksgiving.